everybody. Welcome to the show. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber, your unconventional missionaries and filmmakers sharing Jesus wherever we go through books, podcasts, feature films. And now public speaking. And now public speaking. Welcome to the show. We're glad to be back. We must apologize for our absence last week, but we have... We have excuses, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) I hate to say we have excuses. I wish we didn't have excuses, but Mm. they've been uh, many in the last couple of weeks, actually. So just dealing with um, some uh, family medical issues. Remember, this show is Faith, Family, and Filmmaking. Yeah. So so family took first priority. Yeah. Two weeks ago and last week, and then we had um, a big show that we did up in Maryville for public speaking. Right. So we were uh, invited uh, to come to the Lake County Right to Life annual fundraiser banquet. And then they also kind of upped the ante and asked us if we would be the keynote speakers. Right. That was a lot of fun. And so that was very cool. We were very honored to have the opportunity, have and the opportunity, Jesus. and to right. share the Lord with well, people, and to be there with such pro-life heroes, and um, you know, Attorney General Curtis Hill was there, and many from his staff, but also just all of the pro-life heroes from there in Lake County. Yeah. They they were just as much on the front lines by fat, uh, fighting against Klopfer. I mean, this is their forty seventh annual mm-hmm. banquet, and and we were just really grateful to be there. So, last week's show, well, I said I should say the last episode, mm-hmm. we were on, uh, we finished up I chapter... We, I think we were talking about Kathy, weren't we? We were talking about Kathy. It was chapter 11 from the book Inwood Drive, which is the companion book to our documentary film, Inwood Drive, that shares the demise of the local abortionist and the grassroots efforts that shut him down. InwoodDriveMovie.com. InwoodDriveMovie.com, Yes. <laughs> So this week, we were going to break these up, and we've been going chapter by chapter. So the last several episodes, you know, up to chapter 11 have been each chapter individually. But we started looking at it and thought, we can really wrap the book up mm-hmm. to, to move on to something else, because um, chapter 12, 13, and 14 can really all be combined. Right. You've got underage girls and the sexual abuse cover-up. The death of George Clapper and the discovery of his hoard, mm-hmm. and Attorney General Curtis Hill brings the babies home. So right. those, and then the the chapter fifteen and sixteen, which are the last two chapters, is the making of Inwood Drive and interview with the abortionist. Now, interview with the abortionist is already available as an audiobook here on the podcast, so you can listen to that now. Mm-hmm. And chapter fifteen, the making of Inwood Drive. Well, if you've been listening to the other podcast, you've really got a good idea of the making of. So I don't think we need right. to beat a dead horse with that. Right. We don't really have any new stories to add there. No. So, well, there are some there are some other stories, but, you know, you're just going to have to read the book. Yeah. To get the rest of those. Yeah. So let's go through chapter 12, 13, and 14 and wrap up the book. So um, let me give the thumbnail sketch and then we'll backtrack because we have... Uh, some clips here to play. So basically George Klopfer was brought down because he was caught red handed. Mm -hmm. He was, it was discovered that he was doing abortions on girls 
as young as 13, Mm -hmm. not reporting it to Child Protective Services uh, within the allotted three-day time frame. Mm -hmm. So, in fact, he was waiting as long as six months. So if you just imagine a girl who's 13 who is pregnant being brought in for an abortion. Now, in Indiana, that's not the illegal part. Um, They were all, according to George, they were all brought in by a parent. Right. But there is obviously, statutorily, Mm -hmm. legally, there is a sexual abuse situation happening there. Mm -hmm. It it is uh, inappropriate at at its mildest. Um, can I hate to get off on a bunny trail here, mm-hmm. but just look at the current situation happening out in California where they're trying to lower the um, sex offender mm-hmm. down. You know, if you're 25, you can go and have sex with a 16 year old and it's OK. Right. No, that's anyway, California. Sorry. Sorry to get off. I just wickedness happening. Mm-hmm. That's why we don't live in California. Right. If so you anyway. do, I'm sorry. You know, you can go east. Um, So he was he was found to be doing this. And so what had happened was the 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 pro-life organizations in Allen County, St. Joe County, and they're in Lake County. They were tracking this. And this is where the attention to detail really comes in. And Mm -hmm. this is what Kathy Humbarger calls death by a thousand paper cuts. Mm -hmm. And where where all the volunteers come in as well. Right. This is why it's so critically important to volunteer at your local pro life right to life organization. Mm-hmm. They need you. If you yeah, are you someone who loves to, you know, sit down and scrutinize paperwork? I mean, mm-hmm. attention to detail. Attention to detail. Yeah. That's what got this. That's what caught him. Yeah. And what it was, was the termination of pregnancy reports in the state of Indiana are public record. And so every month they get those. And then volunteers go through those and they mark any discrepancies, anything that stands out. Mm-hmm. Right. Personal information is all redacted from the from the report. Right. And it's all redacted. But but you can see uh, the important parts of it, including the gestational age or estimated gestational age. And in this case, age of the patient. Right. And so any patient that is under. Uh, well, I think it was 14 then. I think it's 16 now. Mm. Then gets flagged. Then you have to go to another set of reports and see if those situations, those termination of pregnancy reports Line are accompanied yep. with another report filed with Child Protective Services. Right. In Indiana, it has to be done within three days. George Klopfer, and I guarantee you this is happening in other states and other clinics, Klopfer was not turning these in in time. In fact, we go through in the in the book that it's evident based on the time and date stamps on the reports mm-hmm. that he would just save these up. Yeah. He would save up a pile of these and send them in because the girl from Fort Wayne that he did the abortion on, her report was turned in six months late. Well, and unfortunately, because you were just saying um, about about the reports, not every state is required or nor do they fill out termination of pregnancy reports. So it's increasingly harder and harder for some other organizations and um, right to life organizations, especially within the state to hold these abortionists accountable Mm -hmm. 
for situations like this where girls are being raped, sexually abused, what have you. And so there's really no way to help these people, these these young these young girls. Right. And there's there are so many levels of uh, depravity you know, of, of yeah and of inaction in mm-hmm. this because even at that, once you've got that evidence, you have to then have people who are willing and able to follow up because yeah. this stuff goes to agencies within the state that are run by unelected officials many mm-hmm. times. And, and who are a lot of the times already overwhelmed. And there, so some adding to some of these is... And, is, so, and, 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 and many states, oh. it's just policy that they just ignore those things. Yeah. And that's where it's it's so important for people to get involved in the right to life organizations. And yeah. you need people who understand and are willing to do that work because it is excruciating. Yeah. And we saw that in Indiana too. There, It was not being followed through at the state level. And so the right to life organizations had to apply that pressure. And so you've got a couple of clips from George. I have a couple of clips from George. So this first one is George telling us this story that supposedly justified his career as an abortionist. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is, and here's my philosophy, it always has been my philosophy, women should have the right to choose. Mm-hmm. Women get pregnant, men don't. Mm-hmm. If men got pregnant, we wouldn't be talking about this, okay? Now, and one of the reasons that really confirmed uh, my motivation was when I was at the hospital in Evanston, I had a 12-year-old girl that was raped by her uncle. She was 21 weeks pregnant and had to do the abortion in the hospital, okay? That didn't bother me. What bothered me is that her dad and mother wouldn't prosecute the uncle for raping her, their daughter, okay? We all have to look at one thing. The concept that if a woman gets raped and she gets pregnant, that she'd be forced to have the child if she chooses not to, to remind her every day of what transpired is wrong. Okay, so George told this story to us. He told this story several times over. He told this story to the licensing board. He told this story to reporters who cornered him on the street. Right. And this was how he justified it. And you know what? It is a it is a, a really tragic tale. Mm-hmm. And when he told us this and we agreed with him on in principle that it was wrong that that man who perpetrated this crime, this girl's uncle, didn't go to jail. Right. That it wasn't reported. I We certainly agreed with him on that. Everything else... It was, you know, just completely, he just went completely off the rails. And we confronted him on that because now here's George all these years later. And, and we, you know, we have to just point out, this is just, this is just three that we know of right. where he just happened to get caught towards the end. I guarantee you he this had, was going he, on for decades. I say decades. It was his career. Right. I mean, who knows? So... Right after that, then we basically called him out on his circular logic. And here's that exchange. 
you said that the thing that got you, that really tipped you into this was a girl who was 12 who was mm-hmm. raped by her uncle. Yeah. But that was many, many years ago. That was in the in the 70s. Yeah, that but, these, but these are girls that are 14 who were or under 14 who were in the same situation. And, the, and the, you could have you could have done something fine. to help them. And there were two there were two girls in the state of Indiana where I didn't send the foreman in a proper time. And for my memory, I can't tell you what the ages was right now at mm-hmm. this point. In all honesty, I'm just telling you, mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember whether it was one under fourteen. I think maybe the girl from Gary uh, could have been fourteen. Okay, but uh, and the girl from. South Bend, I don't know what her age was. But in both cases, the mother was with the, with the daughter. They, were, they weren't brought in by a, a complete stranger. Uh, Again, no different from the case in Chicago. Case in girl China. who was raped by her uncle was brought in by her parents. Or right, yes, there. yeah. So, right. yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to see where the, where the difference is. That case, that First case in Because the state of Illinois didn't have a, a requirement that I had to report. It's not, but but you said that it, it didn't have anything to do with that. You said that that ticked you off. It ticked and, me off because the parents wouldn't prosecute the uncle. Yes. Yeah. So, but here's here's a, a situation where in the state of Indiana, they've put a regulation in place that you I that, didn't follow. Absolutely. That you didn't follow. Right. But yes. if you had followed that, wouldn't that maybe? Do you think maybe those girls got sent back into that situation again? I, I honestly can't tell you. I don't know what the state does when a girl underage gets raped and has an abortion, what the state does. Uh, clue time, George. How convenient. What happens to girls? What, what does the state do with rapists? Puts them in jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's... Um, it's it's so hard to even talk to somebody like him because and those pesky regulations. I yeah. mean, these people in Indiana just just prohibiting him from practicing. Right, right. And and you notice his first excuse was, "Well, that was in the seventies." Right. What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Well, nothing. Which which is why which is why we just said he has probably been doing this type of work oh, and and it. handling these types of situations for decades. Mm-hmm. I mean he's he's done it for so long and now there happens to be regulation. Um, hello, which is why abortionists should be held accountable. Mm-hmm. All the nefarious things that are happening behind those walls. Yeah. Well, and I talked about this in the book, and I'll say it again. This whole notion of the abortion industry where they try to ride their high and, high and mighty horse of saying, you know, we want this to be safe, rare, and legal. I think they drop that. There's nothing safe about if you really want people to believe that you're all about women's health care, then hold yourselves to a higher standard mm-hmm. than you're required to be held to. Yep. That's what that's what people who are really trying to set themselves apart do. But you they never do that. Mm-hmm ever do that this whole patient safety ordinance all that they were requiring was us was a a phone number yep for, that's for it that's it mm-hmm. and they fought this for two years and then they filed a suit in court the aclu sent lawyers up from indianapolis the center for reproductive rights sent lawyers in from new york because why because zero accountability is their goal right 
All and I just got to stop and say, I thank the Lord for people at Allen County Right to Life, the volunteers, our elected officials who are in positions where they can do something about it, and that they took the time and stood strong to make sure that this was passed. Mm -hmm. I mean, bravo, well done, good and faithful servants. Absolutely. So, uh, and then George dies. Let's go on to chapter 13. So then George died. So as, as you know, if you've listened to this, we, we had the original cut of the film done last August and Mm -hmm. we showed it to our supporters because for those of you who may just be joining us, this film was not made as a, uh, this was made through donations. Okay. Fearless features is a nonprofit production company. So this was Mark and Amber, donating their time and resources and there were people who came along and to help financially. helped us financially yeah. because this is still an expensive process to do this is two years of our lives <laughs> yeah. into this okay the legal bill alone is is you know astronomical quite, to quite disruptive to an average household budget um you know all of the footage that you're licensing everything i mean it's it's a lot so we had this thing done, the original cut, and then less than a week later, we found out George had died. Right. Tell people what that was like. So we got a phone call and, or was it a text message It was first? a text message. It was a text message first uh, that he had died. Um, and we were kind of sad because mm-hmm. we didn't, uh, sad because we presented the gospel to George. We told him that he he. We told him there was forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. if he would just call on him. And he was defiant to the end. So we were sad. We were sad for George because, you know, we interviewed him, what, maybe eight months before his death? It was about eight months. And so we don't know where he stood with the Lord when he died. And that's that's the most sad part about it. The, the, man, the, the only reference we have is the man that we interviewed that day in the abortion clinic. And that man was defiant and unrepentant and... Yeah. If that's the man that he was at the end, then his fate is sealed. Yeah. Well, it's sealed either way. But um, so we were kind of sad. Mm-hmm. And then just days later, like 10 days later. About 10 days later. So, 10 days so we later. were so we had paused. We were trying to figure out how to incorporate that news. Right. Into the film. Right. Cause because it, we it, had just finished it. We had just finished it. And we thought, well, this is sort of a blip. I mean, it didn't really affect the the first cut of the film right the outcome of the story we thought well we can we can add it into the end credits and so we'll just do a little re-edit retime mm-hmm. and then we're we're done and then what oh my comes goodness next? and then they find the babies then the babies it's 2246 little babies mm-hmm. little boys and girls stuffed in in coolers boxes and in coolers, boxes yeah. in his garage. In his garage. George was a severe hoarder. And um we've went through and, and talked about George and, and, and actually um if you go on to the website, you can find it on inwooddrivemovie.com. And we just gave this a whole talk at the Right to Life organization about mm-hmm. who George Klopfer was, because you know, they all had to deal with him. So having spent two years of our lives investigating this man and putting together his practice and his business and his story. We got to know George pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, So the one thing that we learned about hoarders, 
it was, you know, they've had some sort of traumatic event in their life. And George certainly coming from Germany, living through war, had a a traumatic event. So Mm -hmm. you can go back and research that, but we'll move on past that because... Yeah. You know. And he also said that he was abused by his father yeah. and by his mother. Yeah. So, so there, there is, there is sort of a heartbreaking story with someone yeah. who, who turns out to be that way, but I t- there are just monsters among us. Mm-hmm. I mean. And the, and the point that we make in, in our talk uh, and that I made in the book too, is that um, the truth is that none of us will ever really know what his real mindset and motivation no. was. But what we do know is that George was a hoarder. And my my stance is he he had a severe mental disease being a hoarder and he happened to be an abortionist. Yeah. And that's what and gave him access. And it's not to excuse him right. by any means. But that's, that's what gave him access to fetal remains. Yeah. And, whether there was something, you know, uh, more sinister involved there, I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, we're speculating. There's a there's a lot of speculation on that, and I respect people's theories on that. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, we don't know. What, what I look at is what are the facts that right. we really know for certain. And what we really know for certain is he had three diseases. He had a physical disease, a mental disease, and a spiritual disease. The physical disease took his life. The mental disease was he was a hoarder. Mm-hmm. And the spiritual disease was he was unrepentant. Mm-hmm. And so the the combination made him who he was. Mm-hmm. So why did he hoard the babies? I, I think it was just another thing to collect. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and, and to put things into perspective so that we can move on to chapter 14 with Attorney General Curtis Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, George Klopfer lived in Crete, Illinois, and his abortion practices, the one in South Bend, Gary and Fort Wayne, are obviously all in Indiana. Mm. So there became this, I don't want to say legal battle, but there was legal standing right. to how do we get these babies back to Indiana because they were all from Indiana. You know, everybody wanted to know, was this a crime? You know, did he take these across state lines and there's some sort of crime there? Well, no one could be prosecuted, you know. Although they did look into that because you wanted to know. I know that the attorney general's office. And again, this goes back to this is why elections matter. Even even something the attorney general is so critically critical. This is the chief law enforcement officer of your state. Yeah. And Attorney General Curtis Hill, it was the man that the Lord put in place Mm -hmm. for this time. For such a time as this. Yeah. And I really believe that what a mess this was because you've got two states that, two neighboring states that have vastly different political. uh, Illinois and Indiana. Yeah. Political environments. Yep. Uh vastly different legal definitions of what these babies are. Yeah. So, um, well, because it, Indiana had just passed the law for, uh, dignified, uh, oh, I forget what, what it's called, requiring that aborted, dignity the dignity, yeah, the, uh, that aborted remains be cremated or buried. Right. 
And so that, yeah, that had just been passed and a few was, years ago and, and was in effect. Yeah. And so, although these happened between 2000 and 2002, some is into early 2003. So nearly two decades, he right. kept these babies. Right. So there's that issue there. There's they once they established that these babies were all from Klopfer's clinics in Indiana, then Indiana then had a legal claim to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talk about this in the book. Curtis Hill talked about that they made the claim through uh, an Indiana statute for abandoned medical records. And yeah. under Indiana statute, they were the the babies. Unfortunately, were uh, they fortunately, were fortunately cons- unfortunately fortunately unfortunately it gave them a reason to be able to to lay claim to them. They were considered part of abandoned medical records, yep. and so and truthfully, I don't think there was a big battle over it. I think no, Illinois I think so Illinois was happy to hand them over to, to <laughs> like what are they going to yeah, do with them? to let those go yeah. Um, and then they were brought back and there was a, there was a lot of question for many months. Are they going to bury them in three different counties or they, you know, how, how are they going to handle that? Mm-hmm. And none of us knew. And, if, and understanding now in hindsight, I understand why that all had to be kept, uh, oh, yeah. very quiet. Well, because they sent out, they they were asking women if you want to, you know, mm-hmm. see if there's a, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't give the women their babies if they right. even, but if somebody wanted to call. Yeah. And, and there was, there was a, a lot of uncertainty there for the first few weeks. I don't know how many women called. I don't think it was very many. No, I'd say, I remember when we talked to Curtis and he said it was just a handful. Just a handful, I think. Yeah. Out of 2,411. Yeah. Because I, I, the first number I mentioned was 2,246. Yeah. And then they found another 165 in the trunk of one of his abandoned cars. Right. At because, a storage again, unit. because again, Hoarder. Yeah. He, yeah. He had he, nine, nine Mercedes Benz yeah, in this he, lot. Yeah. But, but don't, don't make them, don't get this idea that this was like a Luxury. pristine. <laughs> You no, know, classic car collection. No, he would he would drive a car until it broke, and then he instead of they were sitting outside, it, he would just in the park elements. it. Yeah, he would just, just park it and walk away and go buy another one. Yeah. So these cars were just rotting. Yeah. It was, and and so the the other hundred and sixty five remains were left in the trunk of one of these cars mm-hmm. and for decades, just sitting there. Yeah. And. Uh, so that was uh, that was an interesting time. And so for us, for the film, that was a six month delay. Yeah. While we waited for all this. And the, in the meantime, then we we realized, OK, well, there's more of a story unfolding here. So we interviewed Attorney General Curtis Hill. Mm-hmm. We got some other footage, you know, inside the uh, uh, inside the radio station and things that as they were actually un- unfolding, yeah. then we were. Uh, it's a different kind of, uh, from a filmmaking standpoint, most everything that we had done in the film up to that point was all finding footage from decades right. earlier and arranging convenient times to interview people to talk about things that had happened a decade earlier. Can we talk about convenient timing with the raids? Oh, my. Yeah, so <laughs> so here, d- just a story real fast. This is a great story. 
So, um, so after, after they found the babies there, mm-hmm. we had people calling from all over, literally all over the world. I, I mean, people were calling and wanting to talk to us. Right. Because we were the only ones that ever we interviewed. We were the him. only ones that interviewed. And him. everyone wanted to know why, you know, why did he do this? And yeah. they, they wanted to know, you know, well, just let us hear your interview. No, you're not going to hear the interview that we did with him. That's if you want to hear it, you can watch the film. Yeah. Um, but we did have, so they, there was a press conference that was called, in Crete, Illinois, mm-hmm. for one one day. I forget what day of the week it was. Anyway, we had talked about going. So now you're in this different, you're almost like a news gathering right. mode at this point because things are happening. And it's you, so fast. So fast. And you have to react and decide if it's something that you want to cover or not. So there were press conferences that we filmed, things like that. Interestingly... We had filmed a press conference that Kathy had put together in front of Klopfer's clinic right after mm-hmm. the babies were found. Yep. Calling for an investigation into his clinics because right. nobody knew if there were more within the three clinics. Right. And we participated in that press conference. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming back and I thought, well, this is good stuff. And then I was I looked at it and I was thinking about cutting it into the film. And I, and I remember looking at it going... This is why I don't go to press conferences with my camera, because it's just blah, blah, blah. blah. It's not interesting to me. Right. (laughs) So then they they scheduled this other press conference in Crete, Illinois, and we talked about it. And I I was going to go. And then I said we had somebody from Chicago coming in to interview us. Right. And I said, eh, I hate going to press conferences. They're boring. I already know what they're going to say. Right. If it's something interesting, I'll just source it from one of the news stations. Right. You know, they'll have people there. So we stayed home. Well, and because we had an interview we scheduled had, for 10 o'clock and then it got bumped back to nine o'clock. Right. That same morning. That same morning. And so we uh, we showed up and they and we were meeting this reporter at Allen County Right to Life right next door to the clinic. Right. George's clinic on Inwood Drive. Right. So we showed up. Oh and we gosh. parked and we were the only ones there. We were early and we look across and the we, parking well, lot. Well, and, and we walked to the back. Oh, that's right. Staying on, staying on Allen County Right to Life side. That's we just right. walked to the back of the building, to the property so that right. we could just look. And then we walked back to the front mm-hmm. and there was an SUV a sitting black, in. A black SUV sitting in the parking lot of the s- clinic. And we thought it was the video guy from Chicago because he was coming in separate. Right. I thought it was the videographer. Yeah. And so, so I walked over and, uh, you know, he's sitting in his, (laughs) in his truck with the engine running. I walked over and window comes down and I look in and this guy does not, I mean, you know, your own kind after a while, right? This guy does not look like a videographer, a videographer to me. Yeah. And I said, hi, uh, are you the videographer? And he looks at me, kind of looks me up and down, and he says, no, are you media? (laughs) And I thought, what kind of question is that? And I said, "Um, well, no, we're the producers that have been working on the documentary about the clinic here and and the abortion doctor. And he pauses and then he looks at me again and he says, I'm with the attorney general's office. I have no comment. (laughs) And you guys, it was hilarious. Mark comes over and he says, I knew I should have put my camera in the trunk. (laughs) So he leaves me. He leaves me there at at Inwood Drive at 
um well yeah because i the first thing I, first thing i said was they're going to raid the clinic they're going to raid the clinic the, and then it all clicked that's why they held they scheduled a press conference one state away is to get all the media people away from there yeah so they could do the raid because <laughs> it was all the clinics they raided inwood and gary and south bend but all at the guess- same time what guess what shows up in the film well guess what's in inwood drive guess, it's the raid and, ge- and guess who are the only people the only people in the world with a camera rolling when they knock that door down well we had our our, our friends there from katie and i can't remember the other guy's name the videographer yeah, yeah the videographer that he actually did show up, did show up. <laughs> right uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, well, he was taking pictures of it. What's he? Okay. Yeah, but we have the news is funny because the news stations, uh, the Fort Wayne news stations, they didn't know yet. No, they got there late. So we got the only shot of them going in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and so, it's in the movie. Yeah, and it's in the movie. It's a, it's it's actually a really good scene. I mean, it's it's creepy. It, it, it is a good scene, but. So let's fast forward and, and wrap this up. Tie it all up. Let's close Inwood Drive. Well, so let's let's just add on to this that we were all convinced, and I'll put myself in this camp. We were all, I was convinced that they were going to find more babies in the clinics. Yeah, I, I, I really wasn't sure. I, you know, I don't know. I just really wasn't sure that that would be the case. Well, you know, because and, hoarders, they like to keep things close to them. I, yeah, uh, but, you know, in to justify... Why I thought that is, let's not forget, George was still making his rounds. He had been shut down for five years and he would make his rounds to the clinics every week and he would sleep in the clinics. Yeah. And so. That's creepy all in itself. uh, It doesn't take a, it's not too far of a leap to think, what else is he hiding in there? Because the Inwood Clinic was big. Well, it was big. And it has a basement. And and when we went in and it was, it was cluttered. Like it was, it was, it was. Gosh, with boxes stacked everywhere. Yeah, it wouldn't have been a stretch at all. No, to imagine that he would have had more stored in there. So anyway, so let's get back to the babies because Attorney General Hill brings them back to Indiana, Mm -hmm. and then you know time passes, and then they have the burial. Right. It was the February twelfth. And so they were all buried together. February twelfth, twenty twenty. Yeah, just this year they were all buried together. Uh, in South Bend. Mm-hmm. And um, we got the notice a day or two ahead of time. Yeah, it was just Wednesday like, when everybody found out, and then Friday, um, when, whenever, or Monday, and then it, it was, was Mon- Wednesday. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so everybody found out on Monday, and then it was, uh, the event was on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, dropped everything. Again, you, now you're acting like a news crew. Yeah. So you just got to hurry, hurry, hurry and make arrangements. Yeah, but and, it was so important it. to put into the film. It was. I mean, after after everything that had happened, we had no idea the Lord was going to have us documenting and preserving one of the largest mass graves with one of Indiana's most prolific abortionists. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. But I just, you know, thank you, Lord. It's a pleasure to serve the Lord in this way and to show other people to how to stand up and yeah. and be a part of the solution. Yeah. And I think back to that day and how just how the Lord superintended that we that we were able to get there and that we had just the right technical setup to be mm-hmm. able to do it. Yeah. And uh you know, I'm I'm proud of that we managed to fully preserve Curtis Hill's speech. 
and the whole story. And the whole story, but that that event was so crucial, and yeah. that ends the film. Yeah. Uh, because it's such a profound and beautiful speech that he gave. Yeah. And uh, the full text of that is uh, in the book. Mm-hmm. And the it's also in the film. Well, because there is justice in closure. There is. I mean, the, just, just, as Curtis said, you know, dignity and respect that should be afforded to all human beings. Right. I and, mean, and that really is why we chose that there is justice in closure. That's, mm-hmm. that's the, the tagline for the film because sometimes closure is the only justice you're going to get. Yeah. And then this, this is a perfect example of it. You're not going to, you're not going to get any other justice. I mean, no people were He's hoping, dead. people were hoping that they'd be able to nail some of his clinic coworkers and oh, yeah. prove that they knew about it. And I I don't know I don't want to speculate on any of that but none of that materialized and so this is it this the only justice is here's closure that we brought them home gave them a proper burial gave them a proper burial gave them the dignity that they deserved honored their lives not put in little baggies in somebody's garage hoarded right. amongst just trash right and and that's that is the justice that we get. Because we are talking about people here. Yes. We are talking about human lives. Yeah. And so that is Inwood Drive. That is Inwood Drive. Boy, is, so, so how's it feel? We just got through the book. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, been, <clears throat> it's been an interesting process. It's been and, an interesting story and, and to learn. And it's not over. I think this is going to live on for years that people will discover this story. Mm-hmm. And I'm just happy for people to watch it. I am too. I, I I think one of the takeaways from our talk last Thursday night, when you're up there on stage, when we started talking about the history of George and his family and how they got here. Yeah. And we've talked about that in the podcast yeah. years, um, you know, coming over from Nazi Germany through the secret intelligence agency program. I mean, it is some of it is so bizarre and you could see people's faces yeah. <laughs> when we we're talking about it and they're going you're going did you know that I didn't know that have you ever even heard of that and no it's true and yeah it's, it's all documented Every, it's all everything documented. in the film is documented and it's just been it's it's really uh, been interesting to you know to to be um, able to share that mm-hmm that kind of in-depth info with people. So it, it's it's really, like when we said, we're unconventional missionaries. Mm-hmm. You know, we're here to share Jesus, whether it's through our films, mm-hmm. through the podcast, through books, blog posts, whatever. Yeah. So. Uh, I guess that wraps up that, Inwood Drive. What are we going to talk about next week? I don't know. You guys, if, hey, if you guys got some ideas you want to hear about something, let us know. Because <laughs> I'm frankly tired of talking about George Glopper. <laughs> Well, that's all we have for today. Be on the lookout for the speech from Lake County Right to Life. We'll put that up, too, so you guys Mm -hmm. can hear that through the podcast. As always, thank you for joining us. Feel free to drop us a line, leave a review, whatever you would like to do. You can always look us up on fearlessfeatures.org. And if you'd like to help support our ministry, we are always looking for prayer partners, financial support partners, Anybody who would like to join us in sharing more of Jesus. Yeah, they could actually, 
speaking of get, leaving a review, if you want to watch it on Amazon and give us a review. Oh, yeah. That helps us it's on, on Amazon. Amazon. The film's on Amazon. It's on, um, oh, we have DVDs available. Mm-hmm. So it's also can... on Vimeo On Demand, mm-hmm. if you prefer. Yep. InwoodDriveMovie.com. Yes. Talk to you next week. <laughs>